0: Welcome out to 3rd world Linux episode 41. My name is AG, flying solo for the second part of our 3rd world treatment of Linux Lite. For this episode, I want to call it the unbearable lightness of being. Yeah, you get it? Get it? (laughs) Alright, puns aside, we are on our part 2, Ja already has his thoughts on what Linux Lite is or what what he thinks about Linux Lite and I'm going to take my thoughts. How we usually do this is we run by with our criteria from what we discussed in one of our favorite episodes episode 11 which is what is the perfect linux distro which we came up with different criteria again i will i will explain as i go along so okay um first i'd like to apologize if you could hear some raindrops because it's quite raining in here while i'm recording but anywho going back to the topic why linux lite why linux lite because i'm looking for a good net netbook desktop distro for me and i want to do some basic functions of with it like mobile computing such as i want to be able to write on the go i want to be able to do podcasts everywhere i could just take my netbook and my go mic and just and just record and of course i want to be able to type and, and do some basic office functions i don't need anything hardcore to do with a netbook i mean really it's just for mobile computing i just want to take it everywhere with me so that i could check my email i still prefer netbooks over tablets although tablets are really really have their good use but for me what uh, uh, i don't see the point of a tablet because i already have a smartphone a very decent smartphone of that I, I i don't mind really so with my quest to look for that very very uh, a suitable distro. I was looking at other distros as well, aside from Linux Lite. But I chose to go with Linux Lite because, uh, it, it, uh, when I read their documentation and whatnot, it, it seems like, oh, this is, this is what I'm looking for. Because really, there's no middle ground distro. <laughs> I, I, I always find distros that are really light, like Slackware or Puppy. And then there's the ones that are really big or heavy and bloated like your typical Ubuntu's or or the big ones like um, SUSE, OpenSUSE, and Fedora that for me, I can't find what would be that perfect balance. And then when I found out about Linux Lite, I think, huh, this makes sense. I should give it a whirl. So let's start with my first criteria, whether a uh, distro is third-worldable with our third-world treatment of Linux Lite. We begin with Drumroll, please. Intuitive Graphic Interface. Also known as, it has to have a good gu- it, it has to be... He- it has to be an intuitive graphic user interface. Because I'm a GUI kind of guy. Yeah, I, I dabble with the terminal a lot. But I really just like using, as much as possible, the GUI. Because I don't know, I'm not a typing kind of guy. I just wanna click 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 click. It's all there. It uses... Uh, Linux Lite uses XFCE. Or, or, for my case, I think, I, I don't, I'm not sure if they have other flavors. Again, I approach these third world treatments without any, any, like, reading beforehand, so I won't be able to spoil myself and whatnot. Yeah, I, I, I read a lot of stuff before, but I don't get really deep into it and read as much literature about the distro as much as possible. But, for me, I love XFC. I mean, Jiao has tried me to get into Lubuntu and whatnot, but I'm an XFCE kind of guy. And it's my f- favorite environment aside probably from Openbox. But for practical purposes and everything, if I just want to do something on the go, I want XFCE. Another thing about that is when you click their applications menu, the menu, um, descriptions are everywhere. <laughs> like you can see there's favorites already. They're recently used and, and they recently, uh, and, and, and when you go, you could see descriptions, and not just the names of what the program does, but what it, uh, what the program is, but what it does, and it's it's really nice, and and I'd like to think it's very computer beginner friendly, very computer beginner friendly. I'm saying that in a sense that if you have someone who's not really familiar with computers, I think Linux Lite will make it easier for them to handle what, or or to introduce someone to computing, and and. I think from their literature, they're claiming that they would be, an, they're, they're prepping themselves up to be a nice Windows alternative. I think also just a good alternative for introducing someone to a computer and Linux at that. Okay. But my ultimate test really of whether a GUI is great is if my sister can use it. Cause my sister, for the life of her, I, and I love her to bits. is It can't use computers. Can't use computers to save a life. But hey, you know what? Computers is is not her thing, so I guess, you know, she's been using my netbook. She keeps on borrowing it for her basic computing needs, and I never hear her complain, or I never hear her holler at me and, hey, Jay, fix something, computer's broken. I mean, we all have that person in our lives who go like that. For me, that's my sister, and she never, she hasn't, she hasn't come to me yet to to ask to do something specific. Like she was able to locate where LibreOffice is, she she's using LibreOffice. For me, that's a huge victory, <laughs> and and uh, a bunch of other things about like like browsers and whatnot. And she watches some of her of her vid- favorite videos and, and movies on my computer and on on the netbook, which is great. Okay, uh, next category, next criteria. It has to be smooth, meaning a right mi- mix of speed and sexy. I mean, is it speedy? It's okay. I've 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 installed something speedy here, but it's way way smoother than my Mint 13 install because it felt bloated. That's why I changed it after I went with Mint 13. I went with Lubuntu 14.04, and that was a nightmare. <laughs> that was a nightmare. So, it's not um Linux Lite for me is not as, as smooth as the fastest distro I've ever installed on my netbook which is CrunchBang, but it's not bloated i guess it's it's just that right down there in the middle which is which is i okay and and i really do appreciate the fact that the makers of linux lite is going at this for uh using only lts and that's great for me personally that's great that means stability you don't need to constantly upgrade and whatnot and i really really like that so again, with my philosophy and computing, the more time you spend like fixing your computer or customizing it, the less time you spend doing actual computing with it. And for me, that's another element of smoothness I think I should include there. And Linux Lite is that. But again, it's still not crunch bang fast. I think that's still the smoothest distro I had and my, if my, I have my own personal ranking, but Linux Lite will be a second, second to that. And that's great. Okay. On to my third criteria. It has to have a good community. Here is, I think, my, uh, I don't know if this is a problem with it. I haven't personally tested that one yet. You know why? Because I didn't have any problems with Linux Lite so far. <laughs> I'd leave it at that. I mean, that's a good sign. That's a really, really good sign. But, I mean, being, being a Ubuntu derivative, Linux Lite, I think, that means, you know, it's, you it, it can find quick answers to ever have problems. And uh, that's the thing though. I haven't personally tested it. I think it would be a good community or a community that would tell you to make things easier since that what was Linux Lite was selling towards. Like, if you want to introduce someone to Linux, show Linux Lite. That was what they're showing in, in their website. But, um, I don't know. We'll see. I haven't, I haven't really tried my, my desktop is still, uh, my, my, Netbook rather is still really really fine. Okay, on to my fourth and uh, my fourth criteria. It has to have a good GUI package manager. Well, it works. Mm, it has synaptic, typical Ubuntu. It's cool. Jiao hates synaptic. We've discussed that end times, and it's okay. But the the I mean, there's one thing I really like about Linux Lite. It has an additional, ins- it has a install additional software program or feature in it where you open it up and then it has lists of like particular software you could choose. Here, let me open it up. And, and the thing I like about that is, of course, again, for someone who doesn't know how to do some sudo app get or doesn't want to, to get into um synaptic and, and get inside that. This is the install additional software would be a good tool, like here. There's a Chrome web browser Dropbox and then it has a category and from that there's also a description of what it does. I mean this could further be improved. I think this is really a good feature. I'm not sure if there are other if there are other distros that implement this, but this is this is really really good for for what it does. Like you can see here they have even games pack, Java web app, um, applet plugins, and remote desktop software, even Netflix, and then restricted extras. So you could just click that, click install, and it will do everything. Of course, you have to put in your um, password, of this, the super user thing and whatnot, but that's a really good feature, and I really, really like that. I think that was the best so far from all the distros I've tested. So as you can see, it's it's really having high marks so far. But let's go to my fourth, um, fifth and final criteria. It has to be a brainless install. Again, it's typical Ubuntu. <laughs> I mean, nothing bad to that. but I've tried so many Ubuntu derivatives and Ubuntu distros, type distros, and, you know, eh, yeah, I'm used to it. It's nothing new, nothing special, unlike CrunchBang. But, but, what I do appreciate and like, it recognized my drivers right out of the box. Wow. I've, I've never had that before. With my mint, I got, to go through hell for my wireless drivers. I guess it's, I'm not sure if it's because of Ubuntu or because times have changed. Like that was last year or two years ago when I had so much problems with my wireless drivers. But now it's just, I don't know. I don't know. But then again, it works and it gave me a brainless install. A bit slow, not the fastest install in the world, but nonetheless a brainless install. It's really just that. So it's getting high marks for me across the board. That's why I, I called it the unbearable Linux lightness of being. <laughs> and I'm enjoying Linux light. So to close it off, I really can't seem to find any breaking faults in my experience with Linux light. For me, personally, a true test of a good distro is if I kept it.
1: <laughs> That's
0: it. When we test distros here at Third World Linux, I think good distros are the ones I keep. Either I keep them on my flash drive or uh, as a live USB, or I actually use it. For for some weird reason or another, you know, there's something I like in it. And I really, really, really like Linux Lite. But I still have, I mean, I can't seem to find faults, but I still think there are many, many ways of improving it. Will the five-year upgrade cycle, because it's always LTS, be a downer? Perhaps people might say that's too long. I say probably around two and a half years. Would be a great cycle, three years rather than five years. I don't know. Maybe implement something that was great in some of the short-term releases into Linux Lite, and then I don't know. It's up to them. Is it third-worldable though? That's the biggest question. The 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 ISO comes in at around 700 MB. Joe and I always think a good third-worldable distro is only 512 MB. So. It's not there yet, so don't rest your laurels, but I think it really is a good direction. The next slide is, is going towards a nice direction by being very, very friendly to use. Being very, very light. I am actually quite interested in trying a, a desktop, putting it in my desktop in 64 uh, bit or 32 bit. Either way, I really, really like what it, uh, what, what it's, it, it's trying to do. And it's gonna get there eventually. I do hope. It gets it gets there soon enough because I think this is going to be a good competitor, but, you know, hmm, there's still something iffy because one of the iffy things I find is for something that it calls itself Linux Lite, it comes with some heavy programs already, like, it comes out of the box with with GIMP, it comes out of the box with, I I think, does it come out of the box with Steam, or at least it could, yeah, I think it comes out of the box with Steam. I guess for me personally uh, my suggestion would be after you do an install first time you boot up linux lite pop up the install additional software feature are these the things you want to install so that you come up with a distro that's completely like free of programs and just ooh i want this i want this i want this i want this again it it comes to my philosophy of having a choose your own adventure type of choose your own adventure type of install i've I've been telling Zhao to do that I mean, for, for, like, that's one of the things I throw out with Jiao. But at the end of the day, I kept Linux Lite on my desktop, cause it works, low, low resource use, and, personally, at the end of the day, it does what I want it to do. Alright, 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 that wraps it up for my look at Third World Linux Lite, and my Third World treatment on it, my verdict, Third World double, but, it's gonna get there to an absolute third worldable thing I'm about. It's gonna get there. So, uh, huh. Game of the week. I'm not so much gonna recommend the game of the week or game of the moment. Yeah, I should change it to game of the moment and game of the week. But check out, um, the previous episode is, uh, well, aside from Jaws, Linux Lite is I explain Dota. <laughs> To, 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 to from a point of view of us playing competitive, uh, seeing and watching, spectating competitive boudoir. It's also up in the third world gaming website, uh, third world gaming podcast that you might want to check out because everything we have is at chow14.com. It's we, we recently just changed the website. We're going to add new stuff like articles in the future and, um, follow us at chow14.com. Everything's over there. Email us at something 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 it's gonna be in the link LinkedIn I should be reading all of those properly and follow us at um, twitter.com slash third plus dot google dot plus channel 14 uh, plus dot google slash plus sign channel 14 twitter.com slash ch 14 and email us if you have anything at contact at channel 14.com if all goes well I think we'll have another segment after this one if not Enjoy the off-tangent section, or should we I like, be talking about the off-tangent section? Anyhoot, this is AG Trio, see you next time. If you've made it this far, welcome out to the off-tangent section. What am I gonna talk about in the off-tangent section? There were many actually things I wanted to talk about in the off-tangent section before, but... uh Like, many events and happenings. But, I'm just gonna talk about, you know, I don't wanna talk about Dota 2, we already had the entire episode about Dota 2. I don't wanna talk about cameras again because, eh, cameras. Uh. Uh, and and some of the things I'm reserving in my head is I want to put it on on my articles page. What I do want to talk about, though, I guess, is... Huh. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. Oh, well. Can't seem to think of anything to talk about, so...
1: That's that. So if you made it this far, this is the off-tangent section of the off-tangent section, which makes this on-tangent, which kind of mirrors what I'm about to talk about. The shell shock. Uh, the shell shock bug or the shell shock vulnerability because the whole shell shock thing is based on uh, bash within bash right so it's like a meta bash thing in the same way that this is a meta off tangent but i digress which is kind of the point of the off tangent anyway on our google plus page uh, louis or louis uh, left us i'm not sure how to pronounce your name sorry Uh, when he, he left us a message. Um, asking for our thoughts on the Shellshock bash bug And asks, does this mean Windows PCs and servers are safe? Uh, before going any further though uh, just, just know that I'm not a security expert Like this isn't, uh, this isn't exactly my wheelhouse uh, This is all based on like, stuff that I've read So um, take the rest of it Or take the next 10-15 like, minutes Or however long this takes With a, with a grain of salt so, so, yeah, the, what follows is based on um, pretty much all of my limited research and relentless optimism about the Linux and open-source ecosystem. So, uh, are Windows servers safe? Not necessarily, because um, there is this server software in Windows called SigWin, uh, which is a DLL file or something, but it's it's sort of like a Windows implementation of Bash. Uh, their their tagline is "Get that Linux feeling on Windows." Right. So, uh, my my best guess is that it's kind of like Wine, only the other way around. But then again, I'm not really sure because like I've never actually used um, I've never actually used Cygwin. Yeah. Right, so um, as to thoughts, right? Because on um, in the same post, uh, Lewis shares his source, an article on TelecomAsia.net, which says, or whose headline reads, "Shell shock possibly worse than Heartbleed." Um, it's 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 weird, right? Because in this post Heartbleed world, um, anything that is uh, even remotely scary gets like a cool name and gets a lot of, gets a lot of media coverage and could be blown out of proportion. Um, but then that isn't to say that this could be, uh, exploited in the wild, right? Because bash as, uh, bash is ubiquitous because like a lot of, a lot of servers do run bash in one form or another, right? So, you know, Mac, fine, based on BSD, all the BSDs run bash. Uh, Linux and even like Windows, right? Sigwin. Um, now, well, with regard to Windows PCs, the uh, the thing is, um, like, like th- th- this this type of uh, this type of vulnerability. Like, if your personal computer is like hit by this, then Shellshock is the least of your problem, right? It's the least of your problems because that means you've been compromised, right? Um, shell shock isn't a way to compromise a system in that like you don't break in to the system using Bash, right? Because, well, the, the vulnerability is, um, well, it's based on, like, Bash is not only your shell, but a pseudo-programming language, right? So, like, um, you can run commands in like a script form. And and one of the things that you can do with programming languages is define functions. So you say like uh, function whatever uh, and then after like after defining that function or defining that function that we're calling whatever like you throw in some code like an if statement, right? And every time you call whatever in your script it goes back to that if statement, right? So you, you define it by saying, this is my function, and um, on the next line, it's the the, the, the code that you're defining, um, that, that script that you're defining as the function. Uh, now, if you call bash, using bash, so it's like the bash within bash thing that I was talking about, um, you can open bash from bash. Um, but what happens to the function is it's put into... Uh, it's, it's, it's put into like this clump of stuff called environment variables. And when you open your Bash within Bash, it evaluates all of the environment variables and says, okay, this is a function. Um, now, the, the way functions are defined, right, it's you have the name of the function, and then on the next line, it's got the code. Um, the bug is um, you have the function... And if you put code on the same line, um, as the uh, sub-bash or the bash-within-bash is evaluating that function, saying this is a function, it doesn't stop at the end of what is defined as a function, but it continues and executes the code on that line. Right? So... um, because the way it is, right? It's function, and then you have brackets or whatever parentheses. You have you have function parentheses, and that's like the end of the name of the function, and ideally it stops there. But the bug is it continues, and if you put like code there, uh, it just continues, right? So if somebody can define environment variables, and or if somebody can mess around with the environment variables and um, define functions on your PC, somebody's already in there, right? Uh, so that's the least of your problems, but uh, you know some. Um, but then there are like a lot of servers out there. Like if if you um if, if you're familiar with CGI, right? Apparently, and like DHCP. I'm I'm not exactly sure like the ins and outs of these things, but apparently, um, you have user-defined functions that you can like throw at the bash. When, when, like you, you can throw it at the server and then when the server calls it's sub bash or whatever it executes the code that you sent it right because you know I'm, I'm sure you get it. it's user input and if you include as part of your user input malicious code on certain types of uh, scripts I'm uh, but yeah it's 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 very limited in that there aren't very many applications out there that um, that can be exploited using shell shock right um, but the 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 thing that makes this big is uh, the fact that bash is everywhere right so it's it's one of those. It's worse than Heartbleed, but then it isn't worse than Heartbleed, right? Because Heartbleed was a, it was a buffer overflow. Right? It was a memory leak. It was they could get your password in plain text. Um, it, you know, like nothing is worse than that, really. But then when you look at the install base of Bash versus the install base of like OpenSSL, uh, Bash is installed on more computers, even though the shell shock bug would... uh, Even though the shell shock bug isn't, like, exploitable in a whole lot of uh, situations, I'm not even sure if I'm making sense anymore. Mm. Well, suffice it to say, uh, it isn't a huge problem, but it is a problem. Um, What was cool about it, though, was um, how how fast the response was uh, because it was disclosed and um, patch came out and then it was publicly disclosed. Like, it's 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 fairly efficient like that. Um, like, sh- uh, Heartbleed was kind of weird because with Heartbleed, um, what's it, the, the process wasn't followed, right? Because usually um, what tends to happen, or usually what happens is a vulnerability is disclosed and then this vulnerability is patched. Then the patch is... Released and then the vulnerability is publicly disclosed. Um, with Heartbleed, it was publicly disclosed before all of the patches were out, so that's what made like Heartbleed a big thing. Um, but then with Shellshock, like it, it sort of worked. I mean, you know, we got our we got our patches before it even became a big thing. So I, I guess that's open source at work, right? Um. Yeah Well the, the danger here though Is people might become desensitized To like These vulnerabilities In that like shell shock Really isn't much of a thing But then Like Heartbleed was Now the It's sort of like the Y2K thing uh, Yeah It'd be like the boy who cried Vulnerability Or something like that yeah so there shell shock not really worse than heart bleed